Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here again, and welcome to The Daily Evolver. It's Friday, January 19th, 2018, and as always, I'm very happy to be here with you to talk about integral stuff and to, in the case of today, answer some questions. I get great questions from from my listeners, and I encourage them. You can send me, um, you know, critiques and questions and comments and whatever at jeff at dailyevolver.com. Simple enough. You can send me a voicemail to there, one of those little memos, or you can go to my site, dailyevolver.com. And um, there's a a, a thing in connect up in the top menu where there's a built-in voice um, message service called SpeakPipe. So I love all of it. All right. So today, I want to talk about, uh, you know, this question, which is a really good one and one that we hear a lot in the integral community. And um, it's part of the self-critique of the integral community. And um, here's the question. It's from Harry. He's a listener. And he says, I wanted to call you out on referring to the Mankind Project as proto-integral. And the Mankind Project is the uh, it's an international group of organizations that uh, do basically initiations for modern men. So it's sort of an integration of modern and, and mythic. Uh, it's based on, um, it comes out of the war, new warrior training, which gives you an idea of what it is. It's this mixture of, um, of magenta tribal, uh, it's where you go out in the woods and dance. It's, it's become a little bit of a, caricature in post-modernity, but I've done it. It's great. And I was talking about it and I referred to it as proto-integral. I did. So he's calling me out on it. And here's what he says. There's an unspoken and unconscious assumption that integral was just invented a few years ago by Wilbur, Gebser, et al. And that anyone exhibiting similar insights and behaviors earlier, or anyone currently exploring similar turf who languages it differently, is proto-integral, our precursor to integral, etc. I believe there have been integral and beyond sages since time immemorial. Jesus, Gautama Buddha, Lao Tzu, the list goes on. I think there's a shadow of hubris uh, that dogs the integral narrative that is worth dragging into the light. All right, so um, let's drag it out. Um, Again, uh, oft uh, worried, you know, it's, a, it's something that integralists worry about. Um, and, um, you know, are, are we arrogant? Are we assuming and, 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 you know, just through ego sort of giving ourselves too much credit? And so we don't want to look at that. Uh, I'm not the integral police here, but I do have a couple guiding criteria for what I think is integral and what is it, and and sort of the way I think about it on the Daily Evolver here. And, you know, in order to define something, you have to say what it is and what it isn't. And, you know, that helps to just create a boundary. It's useful. It's, um, so I I offer this in in the spirit of that. And the couple things that I think are essential to being uh, integral, if you will, is the, uh, the acceptance of the idea of evolution, not just in the exteriors, not just in terms of atoms to molecules to cells and so forth, but evolution in the interiors, uh, that 
there's an evolution of consciousness, human consciousness, and actually uh, plant and animal consciousness and atomic consciousness that is evolving. And that there is an evolution that is apparent in culture, which is also sort of the shared collective interior. And that that realization of the evolution of the interiors and, and, and basically a realization of um, the fact that one is riding an updraft of emergence in one's own life and so is one's culture. And that's a sort of a capital R realization um, that it sort of evokes a, a, just a general friendliness to all stages because you realize that all stages were supposed to be there. And that an eight-year-old is not a defective 12-year-old and so forth. And um, you become what Claire Graves called one of the original researchers, the universal donor. That, that is the person that can relate to all. And, you know, there's, that's a development, that's a line of development in, in and of itself. But you have to s sort of be consciously on that project. Uh, to, you know, to be uh, in the, you know, integral space as I define it. So another one is, uh, and there's only two, is that you have to sort of understand, and this is part of, um, I, I guess, the, even these interiors, but the, the spiritual dimension of reality, that mind is not reducible to brain that there is a non-material reality, that there is a loving intelligence that animates the universe and which may pre-exist the Big Bang and it may pre-exist uh, in our life. We may be coming in streaming trails of karma and we may survive this life and further development. And that, um, you know, that that sort of, space within which time and space arise is real and it's intelligent and loving and that there's a eros that wants to grow out of it and there's an agape that wants to rain down from it. And so, you know, again, a line of development in and of itself. But, um, you know, there are a lot of people who don't buy into one or the other of those, those two things, this evolution in the interior and this spiritual dimension. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for anybody to be drawn to integral theory and, you know, think whatever they want, uh, because that's how evolution itself works. And in fact, many of my favorite intellectuals, um, you know, I wouldn't consider to be integral for these reasons. Sam Harris, a materialist, Neil deGrasse Tyson, certainly, even Steven Pinker, um, who, um, you know, is one of my heroes, his book, The Better Angels of Our Nature. Um, is a brilliant uh, exposition of the unfolding of, of uh, goodness, truth, and beauty in, the, in history. But he does not acknowledge a spiritual dimension uh, or, you know, the idea of free will or any of that. And, um, and, and, there's, and there are people in the integral world that uh, don't either. And, you know, I'm certainly not excluding them. I'm just telling, you know, what, what really does it for me. Uh, I thought it, it, speaking of, you know, in the integral world, there's a website that many of you know called Integral World, uh, run by Frank Visser, and um, very critical of Ken and very much, you know, into the, you know, pointing out the hubris of the integral world and the mistakes of the integral world. And I've interviewed Frank, and he's a great guy and um, really smart. 
And we kind of just came down to the, you know, sort of agreement that in my world, I sort of accept this spiritual dimension of reality, and he really doesn't. And so that is, you know, that colors a lot. So anyway, I just want to throw that out there as, you know, how I think about integral. Um, as for the spiritual geniuses, I, mean, I think integral helps us to understand how this works too. You know, we have the Buddha and Lao Tzu and Jesus, and you know, and certainly these people and many more spiked into integral territory and beyond, way beyond, um, in the sense of waking up, in the sense of this realization of oneness or the Godhead or this space within which this world arises. And the realization that this world is not my home and that there, I, have a, I have a reality and I have an identity that is bigger than this and I'm going somewhere or something like that, you know, fullness, emptiness. There's all kinds of sort of poetic ways of pointing to that. And these people realize that, talk about a capital R realization, um, big time. And, um, but none of them, at least these ones we're talking about here, the, the, the axial geniuses of the actual axial age 2000 plus years ago um and and really all historical people who had realizations uh, they didn't have an understanding of evolution that's not a criticism that's just reality uh, the buddha saw the world as an endless wheel of suffering and what we integralists realize that it's an endless spiral of suffering. It's a you know evolving catastrophe, but it is an evolving catastrophe and evolving towards goodness, truth, and beauty. And you know the Buddha didn't realize this explicitly. I think there's a lot of implicit understanding of that in the doctrine, but that's another topic. Um, and um, you know they these these guys were products of their time, and this is a distinction that. Ken Wilbur makes that I think is a brilliant one. And that's the idea of waking up uh, or this idea where these folks were geniuses, this, this realization of the spiritual reality and, and our true nature and all of that good stuff. Uh, and then the, the idea of growing up or moving into the next higher stage of your own or your culture's development. And, uh, you know, if you think about even Jesus. Now, Jesus uh, and all of these guys were, um, you know, definitely pushing the edge of the of the, the development of their cultures. I mean, if you think of what Jesus did, he widened the circle of who could be saved beyond Jews. You know, that go out and preach to all the world and the Gentiles. And that was new. That was a new, that was a new, and there's, you know, a lot of theory about that, that that cracked the code into modernity, this idea of an individual salvation, and it's available to everybody and everybody's equal in salvation. And that's, you know, amazing, not only waking up, but growing up. But, you know, Jesus was also good with the vengeful God. You know, he was good with smiting the unbelievers, and he was all in on hell and damnation. And, you know, that's okay. But we can have the realization that he had on the spiritual dimension and the, on the waking up side and have a higher realization on the growing up side now. And it's more to come. But this is the nature of evolution. I, um, 
think of a card that somebody sent me. It's one of my favorite cards. It shows Jesus. It's sort of a classic uh, image, sort, sort of Sunday school image of Sunday school Jesus, white Jesus, you know, with the sort of sun-kissed hair and his white robe. And he's leaning up against the door and he's knocking on the door. And he's saying, open the door and let me in. You can see that there's a thought bubble. And coming from inside the door is, why? And Jesus' answer is, so I can save you from what I'm going to do to you if you don't open the door and let me in. So (laughs) there's a certain something about that that I liked. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, so there has to be a, you know, sort of a, four quadrant or a fuller quadrant move into these new territories to be able to sort of uh, start identifying them as being, you know, traditional or modern or postmodern or integral. You know, there's, you got to get, you know, most of yourself up into one or the other. We, we talk about development is a probability cloud. And, you know, somebody who we would say is at modern would have, 25% of their responses would be postmodern, 25% would be pre-modern, and 50%, you know, there's that, that kind of thing. And that's true of cultures, too. And, and you know, it's a crazy, evolution's crazy. I mean, the, the way people spike into genius on these various lines, like the spiritual line, but there's also the cognitive line, there's the scientific line, there's the, you know, emotional line, there's all artistic, there's many lines of development and and all kinds of different models for what those lines are. But, you know, there are, you know, we talk about Greece, for instance, as being proto-modern. And they were, in the sense that the Greeks were doing, you know, sophisticated mathematics, philosophy, very modern. In you know in, in, in that cognitive line, but they owned slaves. They were pedophilia. The rape, you know, that was the Greece and Rome as well were brutal cultures in many ways, um, and and that actually survives. I mean, we think up to the Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Um, we think of, so, you know, it's Thomas Jefferson who wrote the Declaration of Independence, which is a seminal doctrine of modern philosophy and politics. Uh, was he modern? Well, not in the sense that he was still good with owning slaves. And he had sort of an agrarian soul, you know, that that was so, you know, this is part of the messiness of evolution, especially as we get into the territories where we're at now, where there's two or three or four or five stages online at the same time, not only in the culture, but within each of us, you know, when we can feel them all and we can still find our center of gravity. So, so, so let's go to the mankind project uh, just to take another look at it and why I called it proto integral. And, um, I called it proto integral. I mean, uh, first, first of all, proto integral is, sort of exit green. And I do think that the Mankind Project um, was, um, was a beautiful example of green in the sense that it's like the, uh, Harry who wrote the letter, he said, it does a great job of integrating sensitivity and leadership. And green, the, you know, we refer to green as the sensitive self, you know, as opposed to the rational self, which is orange and so forth, um, the, or the sacred self, which is, um, you know, traditional. Uh, 
so sensitivity is really a part of green. That's not an insult. That's, you know, that's what green does. It's the beauty of green. And he says it does a great job of integrating sensitivity and leadership. And I think that's true. And, you know, in leadership, even in the sense of orange, the, most of the guys who go to the Mankind Project, and I've, you know, been to my share, um, are, um, you know, successful people. And they're, so they're working in the modern world. They, they are modern. And they have, uh, there's, there's, I find a little bit of an anti-modern vibe there that you find in green, which, you know, holds that uh, humanity has been stripped of its soul by modernity, which is kind of true. That's sort of what happens. From an integral perspective, we see that that's a stage of development that we move through and we bring our soul back on. But, um, you know, it's, um, so anyway, they're, so they're integrating sensitivity leadership. They're also integrating, and this is the key part, this um, deep, um, poetic, mythic, um, you know, the, the, the hero's journey, this idea of descent, and then coming back from, you know, uh, into a new real reality. And, and so it does have that growth. I'm talking myself into it. These people are integral. <laughs> but they're integrating a lot. That's why I call it a proto-integral. Why I don't, you know, for me, it's not quite there, is that it doesn't, maybe it's even just a matter of emphasis. It doesn't have that fuller understanding of development. You know, that there, I think of Robert Bly, even Joseph Campbell, who's a big hero of mine. Good Lord, you know, the heroes, uh, the hero with a thousand faces. Um, they didn't really have an evolutionary view. That, that wasn't sort of, it, it, they had, there was not a felt sense of evolution in any of it. And I found that to be true of the guys that I worked with in Mankind Project uh, that um, were, um, they didn't want to talk about integral. <laughs> So whatever, maybe it was me. But the bigger point is that we don't need people to be doctrinaire anything. Um, you know, I, I often use the example that Freudian psychology and the whole idea of psychoanalysis and, and ex, uh, the idea of the unconscious mind, that there's another mind at work I'm not aware of. We didn't need the Freud society to perpetrate that into the culture. I mean, the Freud Society does their thing, but the culture was ready for that. And the culture just, you know, breathed that in big time. And, you know, in ways that Freud would or would not agree with, and in some ways the, that improved on Freud. Uh, we see that with Buddhism and, and, and Hinduism, that, you know, it's not like the American Buddhist or Hindu community is growing, but yet there's yoga and meditation everywhere you know, everywhere. Um, and that, you know, I remember when I was at Naropa that a lot of my Buddhist uh, colleagues would sort of look down on that and, and, and sneer a little bit that it was meditation light. But that's the nature of evolution. The ideas come in in a way that is, you know, appropriate to the understanding of the people who are having them and are interested in them. And that's true of integral too, that um, there are People we see all over the place and uh, essays and magazines, and I try to point them out in the Daily Evolver that are functionally integral. They've never heard of Ken Wilber or, or anybody, but uh, they're, they're holding multiple perspectives. They have an idea of human history. They have an idea of the sort of poetic domain of life, that there's actually a reality outside of time and space. 
And, you know, that's, it's, it's exciting when you see that. And I'm happy to have everybody, you know, doing their thing. Um, but um, anyway, that's, uh, that's some thoughts about it. And, and, and you know, I also want to say that a lot of the fear of arrogance uh, or, you know, the idea that I'm more evolved or more developed at Integral is, um, you know, you, you can't be coy either. There's, there's, there's an aspect of green that is so allergic to uh, anything that would be construed as arrogance or hubris, uh, of making a claim uh, of, you know, that I am in new territory, that there, are, there is a way that we can, there's a natural hierarchy to culture and consciousness that we can rank. I mean, R-A-N-K, that's a bad word. Uh, but at Integral, uh, you know, we actually can, and that's different than green. And we want to be able to make those distinctions without, you know, calling something green being an insult. It's not. It's actually pretty darn good. So, there. Enough on that. Thank you, Harry. Um, he had some other comments, too, which I might get to in another call. He's a smart guy and uh, right back anytime, Harry. Okay, the second question I want to get to is from Israel, and it's from Aaron, uh, Arnon Schitzer. He says, I'm 35 years old from a little kibbutz called Hardaf in the north of Israel. First, I'd like to, I'm going to read the compliment part. First, I'd like to thank you for the Daily Evolver podcasts. I'm listening to them in my morning walks for a few months now, and I enjoy them very much. It really feels like practicing integral per perception. I feel that it, together with Ken Wilber's books and other integral literature, is opening my eyes and transforming the way I perceive reality around me in the deepest way. So thank you very much for that. Oh, thank you very much for that. That is as good a compliment as a guy like me can get. So he goes on, he says, here's the question. One question that comes to my mind over and over, and I can't find the answer by myself, is about the practic practicability of integral leadership to realistically say, take a significant place in the leading edge of society. How can red, amber, orange, and green accept integrally informed leaders if inherently they're all sure that their worldview is the only true one and all the others are wrong? In other words, <clears throat> can this majority of first-tier memes accept leadership that sees them as less developed? And again, this is gets in the, this that's why I bring this question in with the other one is that's this idea of, you know, sort of claiming um, uh, higher development. You know, it's it's a scandal in a way, and yet that's maybe. It, but, but but what if it's true? You know. So anyway. Um, he says, uh, can, can a person with an amber, I love this, can a person with an amber center of gravity accept that he is amber, less developed from orange, green, and teal? Can orange accept that he is less developed than green and so on? I can't imagine a realistic possibility like that. And that's right, you can't. <laughs> that's, that's, that's um, you know, of course, not the way we do it. Um, the... Um, there's, you know, in every tradition, there's sort of the secret teachings, 
You know, that is just, uh, as Ken Wilber uh, defines it, they ought to stay in within the bounds of the community of the adequate. And normally, the reason for that is the secret teachings are heresies. <laughs> you know, this new realization is are heretical, you know, modernity. I mean, they literally had to keep their little societies of modernists uh, secret because otherwise they get burned at the stake. You know, also true of early Christians. It's, it's, that's, um, there's, so th- there's a, there's a, there's a part of this where, you know, you don't go to people who are, you would perceive it at, at, at earlier stages of development and even talk about integral. I, I, I tried, God knows I tried for 10 years to get, you know, everybody to talk about integral. And it's just not interesting until it is. And so, um, you know, what you can do at Integral, which is, I think, really great, is that you can begin to see and point out the earlier stages of development within yourself. You know, because, you know, let's say that I'm, I don't even think I'm center of gravity Integral, but, you know, at least I'm Integral enough that I can see my sort of default greenness, my allergies to traditionalism, for instance, my, my default to collaboration. Let's all do this project together. I've got everybody, you know, did Picasso do that? Did any number of geniuses and people who really moved the ball in this world, they did a lot of it on their own. It's not necessarily the better thing. And, I, and yet I always assume it is, you know, so I notice that about myself. Um, I did a podcast uh, not so long ago on uh, my being stuck at an amber stage of development when it comes to my culinary tastes and, you know, that I like this meat and potatoes comfort food (laughs) that I grew up on. And and I don't approve of eating meat and I don't approve of, of, uh, you know, I, I... I mean, I, I approve of it. I understand it's going to happen. But I also want to be at the cutting edge of people who are creating the grooves in the consciousness and the grooves in culture that don't require the suffering of animals to feed us. I do want to be there, but I can't because I'm stuck. And I can see that. And, you know, I'm working on it. But so that's how we start communicating with these earlier stages within ourselves, not within the culture, not within our circle of friends. Um, And and he acknowledges this in the next paragraph. He says something like this. He says, maybe there can be integral leaders, but the whole integral theory of the memes is to remain hidden from the majority of first year memes not spoken about. And is that a realistic possibility in the information age? Um, so yes, that's what we're talking about, but can it be a realistic possibility in, in the information age? You know, um, if you're running for president and you have an integral pedigree, uh, I, I'm sure people would bring it up, but at this point, you know, I think this is one of the gifts of Trump is just the onslaught of information that we have to deal with. And people are good at sorting it out. And I just think we're, we're kind of fine. So, you know, we do have um, a, 
Uh, well, let me just read this next, this last part of his question. He said, or maybe we should just wait until the integrally informed people will be the majority and only then it will be possible for them to lead. And that's depressing because that's exhaustingly far ahead. And that's true. But what we have seen, or Ken points this out, is that there seems to be a tipping point in cultural evolution where if you have 10% of the people at a new stage of development, then the culture essentially in important ways moves into that stage. And he, he points out the, um, uh, the founding of America. Uh, 10% of the people were modern. And if we look again at Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and many of the other founding fathers who owned slaves and whatever, um, you know, maybe just 10% of them was modern. But it was enough that, you know, the, the, we, the, the worm turned and we moved into a new stage of development and created a constitution and a system that was really beyond what we were capable of living up to and still haven't quite lived up to. Uh, we're still working on it. So um, that's the nature of it. And, um, and yet, even that didn't happen, uh, you know, until modernity had been talked about and written about and thought about for a couple hundred years before the, you know, Declaration of Independence and the founding of America. So, you know, part of moving into any new stage of development is to just think about it and talk about it and to realize that the thinking itself, this is that sort of non-material dimension of reality, the thoughts are things, that there is a groove in the cosmos that is created with every thought and we want to think integral thoughts, you know, and that's a practice and to see our parts of ourselves that are like, oh my God, you know, right down to the basement, as they say. So, <laughs> so that's, you know, the move into this sort of natural hierarchy where we can appreciate everybody at every stage. We, it's like a grandparent appreciating all their grandchildren from, you know, infants on up to surly teenagers and just loving the hell out of all of them because everybody's supposed to be here just where they are. And that is, you know, that's uh, liberation. I think that's a, that's, a, that's a dimension of integral liberation. So, I think that's good enough, huh? Let me see if there's anything else I wanted to say. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, actually, from, um, from um, well, actually, there's two things that I would actually maybe end with here. Let me see if I can find the one real quick. Um, and that is, uh, hang on one second here, okay. All right, cool. I'll do that in a second. But Harry also wrote another. He's talking about so this hubris of integral that he was talking about there with the you know mankind project being proto-integral instead of integral um, is one of the things that irks him about the integral community. Here's the other thing that irks him is the Amway convention barrage of self-promotion of workshops, books, etc. And you know we're kind of all you know annoyed to have to do that, but there are people who are making a living. Uh, you know, doing integral teaching and integral thinking and integral writing. And, you know, they have families and they're trying to make money. And we sort of have to do it in this first tier way of capitalism and promotion and advertising. And nobody likes it. 
Um, I'm fortunate I don't have to on my site. It's, I even took the donate button down. But I do encourage everybody to, you know, pay for this stuff. Uh, become a member of Integral Life. Uh, you know, buy these books. Uh, respond to this, uh, you know, irksome self-promotion. Because, you know, that's what you can do to help move the ball. All right. So I do want to end with uh, a poem from somebody who I think was pretty fully integral uh, long before Ken Wilber or Gene Gepser or anybody, and that's Walt Whitman. I mean, I, in terms of it coming together, uh, this guy was, is one of the first that I think really had, the, you know, at least my criteria on. And, and he was in the you know, uh, 1860s he was writing. So here's just, uh, this is from Song of Myself, and it's just a short little piece of it, and, and then I'll sign off. So thanks, everybody, for being with us. So here it is from Song of Myself, Walt Whitman. He writes, urge and urge and urge, always the procreant urge of the world. Out of the dimness, opposite equals advance. And that alone is stunning. Out of the dimness opposite, this idea of polarity zzz, equals advance. So we're sort of fighting our way forward, you know, the, the pulling our way forward polarities. So out of the dimness opposite equals advance. I'm going to start over. Okay. Urge and urge and urge. Always the procreant urge of the world. Out of the dimness opposite equals advance. Always substance and increase. Always sex. Always a knit of identity. Always distinction. Always a breed of life. Thank you, Walt. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for writing. Keep it coming. And we'll see you on Monday.